Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. I'm your host, Don Scott Damon. Thank you for joining us today. Today we join a live audience where I'm teaching on Mind Management Part 2. Do you know that your thoughts matter? Well, they do. They matter a lot, in fact, because your life is the sum total of your thoughts. Stay tuned as today we talk about mind management on the Freedom Girl Sisterhood, starting right now. Well, welcome back to the Freedom Girl Sisterhood. I'm your host, Don Scott Damon. And we're talking about thoughts, and in just a moment, we're going to join a live episode that I was doing with an audience on Thoughts Matter. But I just want to remind you that, you know, by the time you are in the third grade, you've heard the word no over 40,000 times. But you've only heard the word yes 5,000 times. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? When I think about that, I'm like, you know, we've been programmed, really wired to hear and to think and prepare and accept no. And so it just operates in our life like, no, you can't do that, or no, you shouldn't do that. No, that's not for you. No, you won't ever be able to. No, it's not possible. I mean, you have heard so many no's in your life. It's no wonder you have to break through a barricade of negativity to do something positive. That takes a lot of energy. That's why God's Word tells us that we need to renew our mind. You've heard 19 negative comments for every one positive comment in your life. I mean, think about that just for a moment. For every one time you've heard someone affirm you, you've heard 19 other voices in a negative, disaffirming way in your life. Talk about feeling rejected and pessimistic and kind of the glasses half full kind of an outlook on life. No wonder our brain has been programmed to be limited and to be small, to be bound, just to be pessimistic. And because our brain actually has patterns in it, grooves in it, these negative messages are literally carved in our brain. And that means it's easy to go there. It's our automatic default. It really takes a little bit of work to reprogram our mind to get to the core of what we are thinking. Do you think that Jesus knows something about the way we're created? He knows that our brains are exposed to much more negativity than to possibility. And again, that is why he tells us in Romans 12, 1, to be renewed in the core or the center of our mind. If you just combined everyday, run-of-the-mill, average, negative stuff with your childhood pain and trauma, you'll start to get a picture of how Satan defeats many of us. I mean, that's his plan, right? To stunt our growth, to limit us before we even have a taste of what could be. Because the power of God's light is so powerful, Satan knows that if we catch a glimpse of it, we will hunger and thirst for more. And that's what I'm talking to you about today, to create a hunger in you for God's purpose for your life, that you'll believe, you'll press, you'll push, you'll reach to gain more. You might be a product of your past, but you are not a prisoner of it. You can change. 
You can be rewired, but it's going to take more than just willpower. It's going to take God's power. So join me today as we go into this live session on how to change your thoughts. But first, I'd love to hear from you. So would you go to my website, freedomgirlsisterhood.com, and send me a quick line. Let me know that you're listening. and In fact, tell me what you'd like to hear a show about sometime. We'd love to do that. I enjoy coming to you every week, and I want to know what matters to you so that we can share about that. So go freedomgirlsisterhood.com. Love to hear from you. Also, you can go to my website, dawnjones.org. That's D A W N. J-O-N-E-S dot org. And uh, don't be confused about my name. I'm in the process of changing my name from Don Jones to Don Damon, my wonderful, beautiful married name. So don't be confused about that. But take time, visit me. I'd love to hear from you. And now stay tuned as we join live Mind Management Part 2. Your thoughts will shift your mood, number three. They shift your mood. David said... Why, I ask myself, why are you so depressed? Why are you so upset inside? Hope in God. Our thoughts create moods. Now, I want to just say just for a moment, I know that there is a physical, chemical depression. I understand that. It's a medical condition. I do understand that. But I'm talking about a mood here of depression. I'm talking about uh, our thoughts creating feelings, and feelings create behaviors. And you're not the only one in a bad mood. When you dwell on something long enough and you get in a bad mood, you have the power to put everybody else in a bad mood. You know, negativity is like the gift that keeps on giving. You just share it and share it with somebody else and share it with that. Your mood, your, your moods are the way you feel feel about what you're thinking about. Have you ever just pondered on something for a while and pretty soon you say, you know what, the more I think about it, the more ticked off I get. So this is my conference I can say ticked off. (laughs) You know what, the more I think about that, the more that upsets me. Why are you thinking about it? Is it true? Is it good? Is it beautiful? Is it pure? Is it holy? Set your mind on things above. You're supposed to be thinking on whatever is good and holy and righteous and pure and true. And sometimes these thoughts that come in and we just begin to ruminate on them and cogitate and dwell with them and have a conversation with them. And they begin to talk back and you go, this doesn't feel very fair. No, it's not fair. It's not fair at all, is it? No, it's not fair at all. You didn't deserve any of that. I didn't really deserve that. No, you didn't. They're bad for doing I don't think they're very nice to me. No, they're not. They're horrible to you. Pretty soon they walk in the door and you go, don't even talk to me. They shift your mood. What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? I think about Judges 6, Gideon, the story of Gideon. And uh, if you know the Word of God, you'll be familiar with this, that Gideon, in fact, let me read this to you because it's so funny. Gideon, the commentary here is that Gideon is in a wine press. And what he's doing in a wine press, which was designed for the grapes, they they would fill that with the grapes, and then people would crush the grapes, and that's how they would produce wine. But he's not doing that. He's threshing wheat in the wine press. Wheat was to be threshed up on the hill where they would take the threshing fork and they would put it in the winnowing fork and they would 
throw up the grain and the wheat, the worthless chaff, would blow away in the wind and then the heavy piece of the grain would fall back down and that's how they separated the wheat from the chaff. By the way, in the end days, Jesus said, I will take my winnowing fork and I will put it in and I will... And the Holy Spirit will wipe away those that are chaff, those things of your life that is useless. And the wheat and the value will fall. But he's in the pits. And he's threshing wheat in the pit. And he's discouraged. And he's thinking about what's going on because they were in wartime. They, did, they were hiding. The Bible says he was in the pit because he was hiding what little grain they had left. Everything had been stolen. Everything had been taken. They had been trampled. They didn't have any fruit on the vine. He's depressed. He's thinking about it. And the angel of the Lord shows up and says, in Judges 6, verse 12, the messenger of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, brave man. And Gideon responded, Excuse me? But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to Midian. Well, Lord, if you were really there, why does all this happen to me? Well, if you really loved me, why is this going on in my life? Excuse me, God, but where were you when that happened? Or I love this, somebody's not even living for the Lord and one thing bad goes happening, they're mad at God because God allowed it to happen. Excuse me, but where have you been? And the angel of the Lord says, well, he, we're sending you. <laughs> where's all this deliverance and where's all the miracles of our ancestors and all this? And the Lord turned him and said, you will rescue Israel from Midian with the strength you have. I'm sending you. And then Gideon said, excuse me? A second time. And he said, look at my clan. My whole family is the weakest clan in Manasseh, and I am the least important of my family. He didn't have a very good self-esteem, did he? He didn't know who he was. He was discouraged, and his thoughts shifted his mood to believe he was nothing. He was weak. He was unable. All right, number four. Your thoughts set your self-image and worth. We just read it. And me, I'm the least important member of my family. Your thoughts set your self-image. Psychologists tell us that you will never rise above the opinion that you have of yourself. You will only do so much. It's very, very important that we understand how Satan is trying to infiltrate our thoughts with negative things about who we are, about our abilities, about our talents, about our intellect, about our capabilities, about our looks, the physical things, our stamina, all of that. The enemy wants to infiltrate our mind with negative things about us because... He knows that if he can get us to believe those lies, that we will sabotage our victory 
because we will not rise above a poor opinion of ourselves. Much like programming on a car when you get in there and you set the GPS or the um, cruise control is what I want to talk about. You know how cruise control works, right? And so you can put on the accelerator and you can go faster just for a moment, but it'll come right back to the programming. So it is in life. When we have a low opinion of ourselves or a low self-esteem or a low value and we think about that, we might excel in life for a little bit, but ultimately we'll come right back to self-defeating habits because we have a self-esteem that has been set by our thoughts, believing labels, lies, the opinions of others, and what people think about you. Have you ever talked negative about yourself, your intellect, your looks, your body? Now, listen, I'm going to keep it real. We're all women in this room. Most of us, there are some men. How's that for keeping it real? <laughs> There's more to that statement. I'm just thinking about it still. Um, it, 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 we do this as women. I mean, I was just on vacation for two weeks in Aruba, and uh, it, was very, it was very wonderful. It was very great. Um, but I noticed that I had this pattern in my thinking. I kept looking for the body that I thought looked closest to mine. I'm just telling you the truth. You do it too. You know you do. <laughs> Experts tell us that women do not dress for men. They dress for other women. We're dressing to say, see, I got that. I got it. But I was looking. I, I noticed because, because I, I'm, I'm now into, well into the menopause thing, and there are different things that are happening to my body that I'm sore displeased. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, now, I know we're all in different places here, okay? I, know, I understand that. So I'm not, you know, I, I have a new philosophy. I've been saying, good job, body. Good job. Good job, body. You are serving me well. You, you are carrying my spirit, which is the real person who I am, and my personality. You're the container that God has given me. Good job, body. I'm proud of you. You burn fat like nothing. Good for you. But I will tell you that that's my confession. But... <laughs> <laughs> that being said, uh, so I'm looking at him thinking, well, maybe I'm like her. Could I live with that if I look like her? And yeah, I could live with that. Could I, live, could I live with it if I look like her? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I better get on the treadmill. Uh, what if I look like her? I was like, yeah, baby, if I look like that. Uh, so I was, I was kind of caught myself doing that, you know. And I thought, why? All of a sudden, one morning I woke up and... Um, I had some new, I had uh, a whole, like, ridge, like a muffin top. Does anybody got the muffin top? All right, so they say the best part of the muffin is the top. So I'm glad about that, but I, I have this, this muffin top, and I, I'm doing all this different stuff, and the muffin top's just not, not going away. It's just not, it's just not going and so I said, well, you know what, my, it's like my, my roles, my fat and my body have become very good friends. And uh, I think, in fact, they're like covenant friends. I figured this out the other day. It's like Naomi and Ruth. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I ever leave your side, your stomach your butt or your hips. 
we will die together. So that's how it is. So I'm just saying, good job, body. Good job. You know, think about it. And, and I thought about, you know what, my, my body is serving me. It's a gift from God to me. And I'm to be a good steward, which is a word for management. I'm to be a good manager of my body. And I thought about people that work for me, and I think about if any of those people that work for me, if I talk to them like I talk to my body, they would quit. They would feel horrible. They would, they would rebel. They would, they would walk out. And I would never do that. I would say, you know what, good job. I really appreciate how you're doing that for me. Thank you. So why are we talking to our body like that? Good job, body. Thank you for the way you're serving me. Thank you for the way you, these little legs worked this morning when I got out of bed. Good job, legs. Good job. Good job, perky little eyes. yourself right now. Good job, body. Well done. All right. All right. And finally, we're going to, I'm going to ask my friend Shelly, if she'll, uh, not you, Shelly, Shelly Beach, if you'd get ready to come in just a moment. Um, Your thoughts solidify your victory. And And we've talked about this already, but your thoughts solidify your victory. Come on, somebody. This is what I'm doing this morning. I'm driving. We're driving out in Jesus' name. We're driving out negative thoughts. We're driving out this low self-esteem. We're driving out the way you've been thinking about yourself and talking about yourself. We're driving out the thing that the enemy would put in you to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Because the enemy knows, and this isn't all about Satan, this is about God today, but the devil knows that if you get a glimpse of who you really are, the devil knows that if you can see just for a moment the light of God and how much he loves you and what he's called you to, The devil knows that you will break out, there will be a jailbreak, and that you will accomplish what he's put inside of you to do. The devil knows that, and that's why he will come at you, tell you you can't, you won't, you shouldn't, you better not, and you have to break out of that. Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. You need to get your can back. You need to get your can in gear. You need to do the can-can, because you can, right? Shelley Beach is an author of a book called The Silent Seduction. Yeah, you want to just use this? I want her to give a a brief testimony. We're going to break, but I want you to hear from a woman who had to drive out the thoughts um, to, to survive. Shelley Beach. I'm going to set this down here, make Don throw all of her stuff to the floor. Hey, um, I love this phrase, what are you thinking? I want to take you back to when I was 44 years old, just a, a few years back, just like one or two years ago. Yeah, right. Uh, what was I thinking when I was 44 years old in 1999? You can do the math. What was I thinking? I was out of my mind, really. I was out of my mind because I wasn't thinking about what was going on in my head. I wasn't thoughtful about my self-talk. At 44, I was out of my mind. I was doing a lot of good things. I was a 
a teacher, I was a Christian author, I was a speaker, I was traveling, I was doing all kinds of good things. If you looked at my day planner, you'd have been really impressed with the Christian woman that I was. But I wasn't thoughtful about my self-talk. And really what I was trying to do was I was trying to impress God and I was trying to impress people, but I didn't know it. I really wasn't giving a lot of thought to that. And you know, have you ever had any of those line-in-the-sand moments where God divides your life into before and after? Well, 1999 was that year for me. And suddenly, my face was planted in the dirt. That is the year that my life fell apart. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. In 1999, I ended up in Detroit Medical Center with a brain lesion the size of a golf ball. I was in the neuro-oncology unit, and suddenly I could no longer stand, see, walk, feed myself, care for myself in any way. My son was a prodigal running from God. My daughter had come back from... Um, right about that period of time doing tsunami relief work. She had come back with severe post-traumatic stress disorder. My mother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, my father-in-law with mental illness and Parkinson's disease and a bunch of other things. My husband, who had been faithfully serving at a Christian school, had been asked to, um, to leave. We were looking for another job. And everything in life had fallen apart. And we were, when, we, when I was released from the hospital in very frail condition and sent home, doctor said, you know, one thing you really need to do is take care of yourself and take it easy. And I had a prodigal son in my home and a daughter who was struggling with um, mental illness. I had a mother with Alzheimer's I was responsible for, a father-in-law with Parkinson's disease. And I was so busy racing around, focusing on everybody else and everything else in my life that I was totally missing everything that was going on up here. Let me take you back to when I was 19 years old. At the age of 19, I was attacked by the most prolific serial rapist in the state of Michigan, Ohio, Indiana. Those kinds of experiences in our life change what Don talked about. It's not just about what happened to us, but it changes the way we talk to ourselves and the way we perceive perceive ourselves. And I found myself racing through life talking to myself about the way that I perceived myself, my self-image, um, and let me tell you, I believed a lot of lies about who Shelley was, but I wasn't really aware of them until I crawled into that MRI tube one day, no longer able to care for myself, realizing that my relationship with God was kind of a frail, shallow, superficial thing. I loved him. I believed in him. But my relationship with him was, you know, kind of shallow and wide. And I call it God's grace in a very small space. And, you know, you learn a lot about your self-talk when you're in a neuro-oncology unit in a lot of MRI tubes. And God gave me a crash course in self-talk. He taught me that I believed a lot of lies about myself. I believed a lot of lies about other people. And he put me, he set me aside he made me incapable of running around and doing all the, a lot of these other things. And he set me aside and he said, Shelley, I want you to become a student of yourself. I've been a professor and a teacher for a lot of years. And I suddenly became aware because of my illness and because of my relationship now with caring for a father and a mother and a son and a daughter and all these other people of my own huge need and my reliance upon God. Well... I decided to become a student of my self-talk. And I I determined, like, within 24 hours that I was so broken inside 
that it was like the Rocky Horror Show when they were just like, because I got a notebook and I started writing things down. You want to, you want to know about your self-talk? You start writing down what you're saying in here. And I discovered all kinds of things. I discovered one thing was I was such a self-controlling wife, I wanted to humiliate my husband in so many conversations and circumstances. If you have struggled with sexual abuse, you become a person who becomes very attached to control, and I became controlling of my children, of my marriage, of my relationships, and our sex, sex life was crazy. It was like, come get me, stay away! Come get me, stay away! I want sex, don't touch me! My poor husband, poor crazy man, please get Dawn's book for your husbands and yourself if you've, if you've been a victim of sexual assault or sexual abuse, because we're crazy people. We really are. Poor God bless our husbands. And controlling my children, I just wanted them to grow up to be like me. I wanted them to be godly, but that was secondary. Just be like me. I was a control freak. I was a manipulator. And I didn't discover these things until I started out with a notebook in hand to study my self-talk. Here's what God showed me. There's an acronym I have in my book, The Silent Seduction of Self-Talk. I believe God, I, more God, M, I believe lies about myself. O, I believe lies about other people. For instance, that I was better than a serial rapist. Wouldn't you think that perhaps you might be better than a serial rapist? God showed me that I am not. That when I sang that chorus, the ground is level at the foot of the cross that it's true, and he taught me how to forgive the man who assaulted me and the man who assaulted my daughter when she was a child. I believe lies about myself, about other people. I believe lies about relationships, about who I was responsible to and who I'm not responsible to. I believe lies about my environment or my circumstances, like what God owed me about a job for my husband, or the kinds of my circumstances, not environment like hug a tree, but the circumstances that we live, what we, what we think God owes us, or what other people owe us, or the way that we should be treated in life. That life is supposed to be fair. Ha! Huh. God never promised us a fair world. And the last thing was that I believe lies about God. And so God put me into this relationship with him where I, I began to figure out that the best gift that God gave to us is that he hardwired us with intimacy right here in our brain. Pastor Don has given you gold here in these sessions about self-talk. God has hardwired us for intimacy and communication with him right here, and everything we do and say begins right here with our thoughts. If you can capture that truth right here and the fact that your relationship with God begins here, and with capturing thoughts here and leaning into, I began to understand that there's this principle in Philippians chapter 2, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sympathy, take my, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being the same full accord. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. This is the double love command. Be of the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. And that if I could begin capturing my thoughts, and in this self-talk that I had that was really crazy talk, believing a bunch of lies, and in that moment turning that into prayer and taking it to Jesus and going, man, that's messed up. 
Right now, I so want to disrespect my husband. In my book, I talk about one that's going into a restaurant with my husband, and I just, I'm so mad at him about the, the amount of money that's on our credit card balance, and I know that you have no money problems at all in your life, and you never get upset with your husbands, your spouses, your boyfriends about money, but in our family, sometimes that happens. And I just wanted to blame everything on him, and I was sitting there swirling water in a cup, and I thought, and God was saying, don't you say anything to Dan that's going to be hurtful, blameful, or take this in a negative direction until you can say something positive. And I thought, I got nothing to say. I don't know how to do this. Can I roll my eyes? Can I cross my arms? Can I go to the door in a hush and make him come chase me? I've got a whole repertoire, you know? And it was like, my husband's looking at me going, what are you doing? And I started crying. I'm like, I'm trying to do something right for once. And God began to convict me about those kinds of things, about all of those categories. He made me write this book, The Silent Seduction of Self-Talk. was like walking around in my spiritual underpants in front of people and having to show them all my stuff and how he changes us. That's what this passage in Second Philippians is. In Philippians chapter 2 is God's greatest gift to us, is that he changes us. He changes us. He conforms us to the image of his son. Just one last word. It's going to sound like this is an advertisement, but it's, it's not. It's all about how good God is. My good friend Wanda, who's back here with me, she and I just finished writing a book called Love Letters from the Edge. And she and I have been through some stuff, but it's nothing that's different from all the stuff that you guys have been through. This book represents all the stuff that Pastor Don has touched on you and other people that we know, we've lost kids to cancer, to SIDS. We're married to narcissistic husbands, abusive men. We've been physically abused. We're grieving from abortions. We don't want to talk about it. And sometimes we cry out to God and we go, where were you when this happened? Where were you? Let me tell you, God has something to say to you. He's not going to give you an answer for everything. His answer is who he is and who he is to you. And so at the bottom of all of this, we've had an opportunity to write a book that expresses both the where where were you? Because we all feel that. And God wants you to bring that to him. That's what the book of Psalms is about. It's about bringing that to him and his saying, I'm here for you to bring that to. And in your self-talk, you can take that to God. And then listening for him to come to you with his heart of love and compassion and listen for him to say, this is who I say you are. Don't listen to the lies of Satan. Don't listen to the lies of the world. This is who I say you are, my cherished child my chosen daughter, my beloved, my beautiful. This is who you are. Now let me change you. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I think that is just so powerful. And friend, God is in the life-changing business. He can renew and restore and make 
all things new. I'm so thankful for a God who loves us and never gives up on us. Maybe today you're someone who's listening that says, you know, I need that mind change. I need victory over a painful past. I need help. I just want to pray for you today. Sometimes prayer is as simple as saying, Jesus, set me free. So today, if that's you, Lord, I pray for my sister listening to this podcast right now, and I pray you set her free from the chains that bind her. God, that you would renew her mind and you would heal her heart and save her from the destruction of the past, put her on a new pathway, and give her a bright and wonderful future. There's greatness inside of each and every one of us from you, God, and I pray this day she would begin to realize that and embrace it. Thank you for this opportunity to share together. Lord, your word is truth, and we stand on that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's great to be with you as always. Join me next week when we return the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. This is your host and your freedom coach, Don Scott Damon, signing off. Love you, girls. See you next week. <laughs>